Hey, welcome to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. It's an all-cousins-on-deck episode here. This is Justin, along with Derek, Tyler, and Patrick. We have a fun show planned for tonight. We're going to debate the best quarterbacks since Scott Frost. We're also going to introduce a brand new closing segment. But first, we got to get into some Nebraska ball. So, Nebraska, they did whip up on Indiana 66-57 last night. But they fell on the road to Illinois by six. So I got to ask you guys, with this loss to Illinois, are Nebraska's NCAA tournament dreams squashed? Tyler. You know, Justin, I don't think so. Um, And and this is based off of nothing else but the thought that I just been saying this whole season. I don't see the committee when they're at the table leaving out the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Um, You you look at the numbers. We're 58th in RPI. That's not favorable. Um, you know, 98th in strength of the schedule. And that Illinois loss is a really bad one for a resume. But the Michigan game looks good. They're still rolling right now. And at the end of the day, when they're at the table, you're looking at a 22-win team from a Power 5 conference, fourth in the conference. I think the committee is going to do the right thing and put the Huskers in the tournament. Derek? Well, first off, I don't think this is all cousins on deck. I don't think we have enough Skype to... Uh handle all the cousins overload it went overload yeah uh, too many of you, you you know i i agree with tyler i i think they made it very difficult for themselves losing to illinois and i definitely think they're gonna have to come up with at least one win if not two in the big 10 tournament in order to make it but it's it's, it's crazy to me that i still hear a lot some experts putting oklahoma in the in this tournament and they've lost six in a row how, how is there even talk of these guys possibly making it in? Like, if, if, if I'll tell you right now, I'll be pissed and probably not even watch the tournament, period, if Oklahoma makes it in and they leave Nebraska out. Patrick? Well, I mean, it's Trey Young. Everyone's in love with him, right? Uh, there's two things I'm concerned about with this Nebraska squad. One, we did not play well. We did not do very well at the free throw line, and I hope that that doesn't become an issue. And two... We're getting into this very annoying pattern of really sneaking it up in the first half, having a little bit of our halftime go-get-em speech, and then we come out. And this one was very uh, concerning because we didn't really get going until, like, what, five minutes uh, <laughs> five minutes uh, before the game ended. So, I mean, we got to get our stuff uh, together if we're going to have a run at uh, NCAA tournament. And, yeah, it's critical that we beat Penn State on Sunday. We're not going to so- get any favors. So do you think, I mean, you still think we have a shot at making the tournament? Is that what you're saying? I think so. I think so. I think we do. I think we I think we have to beat Penn State, and then we have to at least get, I don't know what, a game in the Big Ten tournament to at least say, hey, we're ready, let's go. But yeah, we're not doing ourselves any favors with our lack of physical play right now. So, yeah, I'm on the complete other side of the spectrum. I think... Uh, I think our dreams are squashed. Losing to Illinois was a terrible loss. That was one of the worst losses that we could have on the remaining schedule. All the pundits out there, all the guys, the bracketologists, the Palms, Lenardis and stuff, they just had us outside of the bubble looking in. And we lose the easiest remaining game on the schedule. That's a big kick in the balls for this team that was, wasn't even a sure thing anyway 
getting in. So that really hurts us. And you talk about, Derek, you said that we have to win two games in the Big 12 or a Big, Big 10 tournament. You know, if we are a four seed, we're going to be automatically placed in the quarterfinals. So winning two games, that's going to place us in the championship game. So that, that does look good. But those two wins are going to come from most likely a Michigan and then most likely a Michigan State. Those are, that's, a, that's really tough to uh, climb that mountain there, especially, you know, we're not playing at home. We, we play good at home. And so that part scares me. I don't think anything is a guarantee there. Uh, I think that we probably blew our shot by losing to Illinois. And I'm not going to be shocked if we get left out. But then again, I probably won't be shocked if we do make it. But it, I don't think it's looking good. Uh, just trying to win in the Big Ten tournament, that's we got our we're going to have our hands full beating a Michigan team that seems to be like they're on the move again. Derek, you you know I, to me it's a tragedy if we don't make it in. You know this is the second best. What isn't this like the second best uh, season we've had of all time as far as wins go? And we're not going to make the tournament. Isn't it the best? I always kind of thought it was the best. No, we in '91 they won 24 games. Okay. Or, yeah, '91 they won 24. Yeah, that's what I said. Go ahead, Patrick. Justin, first of all, you're depressing as hell. Second of all, I mean, look, the bottom line is is that we had a bounce back after losing to Illinois. That's got to count for something. If we and we can't go back, I'm sorry, but at least we have a chance to win the rest of our games we have, and at least have a good showing in the Big Ten tournament. That's got to count for something, right? Well, yeah, you're exactly right because you know. I think it could have been so easy for those guys to go out there and just, you know, just lose it, you know, with the dreams already squashed. But they went out there and they 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 dominated. They beat the hell out of Indiana. They did what they were supposed to do. Uh, first half, really, is a women's basketball score there in the first half. But <laughs> <laughs> Actually, but our women's basketball is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Go ahead, Thomas. I, I, I disagree. I think that first half of that game, you look at that, and we had we we end up holding it in and we got 19 turnovers, which is the tied the most they had all season. Um and Justin, I, I get it. I see what the pundits are saying. They but they are they are connected. They are they breathe RPI, and that's not giving us respect. This, this Nebraska team is is not only do I believe has a shot to make the tournament. I think this is a team to get a lot of coverage on Selection Sunday because the media isn't going to like this choice. But I think the committee is going to look at the record. They're going to look at the fact that we beat Michigan, that four of our nine losses are against top 20 teams. Um, I think they are going to look at that resume and say, yeah, they don't got the best wins. They don't got you know this RPI, but they've done enough to earn a shot at the dance. <laughs> Okay, go ahead, Patrick. Take it first. All right, we're missing one major component here. It's something that ESPN has covered, USA Today has covered, and the Rockettes have covered. That bench. That bench is the most entertaining bench in college basketball right now. I want to still see it, and I want to see them see if they can pull off the Sistine Chapel, American Gothic, and maybe the Pieta from uh, Michelangelo. Derek, are you a fan of that bench? No. That was the most obnoxious crap I've ever seen. It's one thing to root for your team. I don't, I'm all for it. You know, you're not going to play. That's fine. Root for your team. 
do we really have to mock other people doing it? Rowing the boat and... Mock other people? They're making creative masterpieces. Oh, I mean, on. bobsledding, this rowing. Is, this is du- this is the dumbest thing. They were doing CPR on the sidelines. Come on! I love that. That was so great. One guy acted oh. like they fainted and they carried him off the court. Get out of here! This that stuff is obnoxious brilliant. and that dumb. That was brilliant. The only oh, one that I found somewhat entertaining was when they held up the scorecards after the dunk, and even that one was probably a little obnoxious. Derek stands it, for no fun, everyone. Here's the thing. I, I, I'm usually not about showboating, but the thing this team has, they got some swagger. And and that bench, they, they, they are confident. They're having fun. Copeland is a guy on the court who with his with great athleticism. He's got swagger. JP Jr., swagger. I, I just I think you look at this team, they play with confidence, which is something that you haven't seen from a Tim Miles team since the last time he made the tournament. Um, they look like they belong. They're having fun. All the power to it. They're they're not doing anything disrespectful. And and if they're disrespecting Minnesota, God will it, because the most punchable <laughs> guy in all of sports is up there in Minnesota. And I Fleck can go uh, fly a kite and get the hell out of here and go row his own damn boat. <laughs> so, so with that bench, I. Yeah, is it kind of a little bit over the top? Maybe a little bit. But, you know, the Big Ten Network doesn't do it any favors because they keep drawing attention to it, and then they show the replays. Uh, just If they just let it go, I think it's I think the Big Ten Network is making it over the top. If you just saw that going on on the background during the game, you'd be like, oh, yeah, they're having fun. You'd want to see. But you don't really need to see the instant replays of that going on. But you know what? Look, look how great of a situation we are in as uh, n- n- Nebraska ball fans here. I mean, we're complaining about what the bench does instead of what the team does on the court. So that's that's actually a good sign that Miles has us going in the right direction. Go ahead, Derek. So, so let me ask you this, especially Justin here, because he's been probably the biggest hater of the Tim Mile era. <laughs> out, of, out of everybody, and so 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 if we don't make the tournament this year, and we screwed it up because of that Illinois game, whatever, so be it. Is this is this a failing season at this at this point since we didn't make the tournament, or is this a successful season regardless having twenty two wins? Or t- I think it's a successful season. I think it's a successful season right now. I mean, if it were to end today, I think it's it's a successful season. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, is it going to hurt that we don't make the tournament? Maybe, but God, it was a lot of fun along the way. And the schedule, we, we, we just don't have those big wins that, you know, I don't think compared to the other resumes out there for the people outside of the bubble. I just don't know if we stack up that great. We're, I, and we could do it, you know, we just need a lot of help. I think that some. There's a lot of teams that probably need to lose. Uh, when we play Penn State here uh, next weekend, their RPI is like 76. We're not going to get anything out of beating Penn State, especially with Penn State losing tonight. And see, and I guess so, I don't under. I guess this is the, that's the part I don't understand about the committee is they put so much emphasis on your big wins rather than how many wins. Because like Oklahoma's got 16 wins on the year, 16. They only have three games left. The most they're going to come up with is 19 wins in the regular season. And yet, they have a better shot at getting in a tournament than we do. That's the part I don't understand. 
because they have a few better wins than we have. But they only have 16 wins. Come on. It's bogus. I don't know what to say. I mean, it'll work itself out, I guess. I I don't know. Good Tyler, luck on Sunday, Huskers. Yeah. Tyler, you have anything to add? I, I I just at the end of the day, you know, to the Patrick to Derek's question, I think there is no question this season is a success. You know, we've had this conversation about does Tutton Miles deserve another year? I think you look at the direction of this program, a hundred percent he does. Um I, I, I'm all for him getting another year. And this year has been a great year to watch for Husker basketball. Probably the best season I've seen in the last, I mean, since that 2012 year. And it, it's awesome to see. So, Go ahead, Patrick. Anytime you overachieve, it's a good thing. So consider us overachieved. So bravo, Coach Miles. All right. Well, let's uh, move on uh, to our uh, premier topic tonight. This is a topic that we've been putting off for a year now, I think. Since we started uh, the show, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it was always on the back burner. And, ah, we'll do it next week. Ah, we'll do it the week after. So, in this little exercise here, what we hope to accomplish here is to find out who the best quarterbacks are, have been since Scott Frost. So... I think we can all agree that Eric Crouch is going to be our number one guy. You, you're not going to have a Heisman Trophy winner. You're number two. So we're just going to go ahead and say Eric Crouch is our number one, and then we're going to give the next three. Uh, I, I don't. So, I don't know. Joe Daly had some really, really good season. That spring he, he game could, was incredible. He could be. He could be ahead of Crouch. You never know. He, he could be. He could. I cried during his spring game. So for this exercise. When uh, you just give your th- top three, and then everyone gives their top three, then we'll go back and we'll revisit those picks. So here we go. Uh, Patrick, what are your top three? I will start with Team Magic at uh, number uh, two. I will go with uh, Tommy Armstrong for number three, and Joe Gantz for number four. Okay. Tyler? Well... I, I, I actually kind of like Patrick's list there. Um, you, you know, outside Eric Crouch, I mean, and, and Justin, we, we kind of went over this Eric Crouch thing. You flew by it. But, I mean, what that guy did in Nebraska, I mean, he, he was the last of the true Husker era. I mean, he played with heart. He was one of our own. He's what we're looking for. Um, the, the highlight reel that guy put up in campus and the success he had is amazing. Even in his failures, you know, looking back on – Gosh, I mean, that, that loss to Miami, how many other losses have we had that are way, way worse than that looking back? But um, I got my team uh, outside of Crouch. T-Magic is my number two. Um, I think you look at what the guy did at campus. I mean, he, he electrified the university from day one, um, had put two really good seasons together. His junior year um, rivals, in my opinion, Eric Crouch's. Heisman winning uh, season, um, 2,800 yards, 1,000 yards rushing, 23 TDs, looked really good, got injured. You're getting um, into the details right now? Ah, uh, fifth. Fine. <laughs> my number three, <laughs> I, I, my difference to Patrick, my difference to Patrick is I got Joe Gans. Joey Gans, the gamer, I, I, I loved watching the guy play, bright spot in that era, and uh, my number four is Tommy Armstrong. Okay. Derek? 
Oh. This is what I was afraid of. I was afraid these lists were going to end up pretty close. You know, after looking We're at all these quarterbacks, after all the, looking at all these quarterbacks, it's Six really months. hard. It's really hard to just pick three quarterbacks that were good. I mean, there weren't that many great quarterbacks at Nebraska since Crouch has left. Amen. Uh, and and my, my mind goes uh, behind Crouch. I have to go. I have to go. T Magic as well. I the guy was just electric. Uh, number two, I got Joe Gans. Number three, or I guess that'd be four and f- whatever, whatever order. And then my third one would be uh, actually Zach Taylor. I think, oh. he had, I think he actually had one of the best seasons Nebraska had. And we'll get into, I guess, uh, details here in a few minutes. The stats and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Zach Taylor. So after Eric Crouch, I have Taylor Martinez. Clearly, he's the next guy, next best guy after Eric Crouch. I have Zach Taylor uh, as my number three guy, and then I have Joe Gans. So, uh, so, well, so okay, I'm gonna go. How are you guys leaving off Tommy Armstrong? And and I, I get it that I had him personal bias. Well, and, and Patrick loves Tommy Armstrong, but the guy ended his career as the most. Yards, most touchdowns in Husker history. He's the record um, holder currently. That's yeah, true. but you know what? He also played the most amount of games. He should have those records. He also but threw isn't that forty-four not touchdowns. Necessarily, he was put in a situation where he pretty much had to succeed. He, he also in, threw, in a pro-style offense, which he had never really run. He he also threw forty-four interceptions. The guy only threw fifty-three percent of his passing completion. I mean, he wasn't that great of a quarterback. He did play with heart. And he does have a lot of records, but he also played in the most games out of every quarterback that we've ever had. What was isn't his that, best year? Isn't wait? Let me just ask: Is the fact that he started more games than anyone else isn't that an accomplishment in itself? <laughs> we just didn't have anything. Who were you going to throw in there behind him? Were you going to throw really throw Riker Fife in there? I mean, and who was going to be that guy? And let's not forget he had a losing season on his record. What year was his losing record season? Uh, yeah. 2015. Remember? Mark when, when, when I blacked first. that season out. Again, he was I mean, put in a situation where he was not recruited to be in the first place, which was a pro-style offense. It took him a year to get acclimated to it. Then he succeeded. That's fine, but he still had a losing season. Taylor Martinez had two 10-win seasons, and he's the only quarterback who can say that. Uh, Zach Taylor had two winning seasons under our, I would almost say, second-worst coaching regime that we've had. I would say worse. <laughs> okay, so let's try to have some order here. You know, let's uh, we'll talk about each of these guys one at a time. So let's keep it on uh, Tommy Armstrong for a second. Does, do you guys have anything else to add on Tommy Armstrong? Uh, I, I, I guess I, I'm with Derek. I get that the, the the amount of games he played, you know that that's a factor. But you know his senior season, um, that la- that the only good thing that Mike Riley did. I mean that that year, what he did before that injury. You asked what his best season was. It was unquestionably that year. I mean. Let's forget about the heart he showed later in the season, which is obviously an intangible thing. The way he balled out throughout that year, um, 
you know, with, I, I believe he was big 10 offensive player of the week twice that season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he almost led us to a victory in Madison, which is something we have not sniffed in the big 10 era. If it wasn't for a drop pass by Stanley Morgan, we win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the way he wrapped up his career, and yes, he played the most amount of games, but he also had the most 300-yard passing games. And, and it, this is not just a stat by accumulation with Tommy Armstrong. He went out there and earned it. It, it isn't when you play that many, because if it was 300-yard games, then why wouldn't Taylor Martinez or Zach Lee or anyone else have done that? I meant Zach Taylor, not Zach Lee, but... <laughs> Patrick, you're forgetting the most important part about that winning season was that Riley had evidence that what he needs to succeed is a running quarterback. Tommy Armstrong ran for the winning touchdown against Oregon. Tommy Armstrong ran for the winning touchdown against Purdue and even did a somersault. I give him a nine because he didn't stick the landing. But the point is, because of his legs, because of that added dimension, that's what got them the nine wins, and that's what Riley should have focused in on. Hey, maybe I can have a dual-threat quarterback instead of some drop-back passer. Tommy Armstrong is the reason why Riley was given at least another year. So here, here's the thing about Tommy Armstrong. He played for four years, but the guy never got any better. You know, from when he came on freshman year, there was he never made any substantial improvement all four years. And, and he, he just didn't. So... He racked up, like Derek said, he racked up a lot of stats just because he played so many damn games out there. And I'm not saying that you know he's he's a terrible quarterback. I just don't have him in the top my top three after essentially Eric Crouch. Uh, I think he's just he got there because of circumstance. Ultimately, Derek. You know, he, he was close to making my top three. He really was. And and, it's, and that was hard for me because I've given this guy so much guff on this show. But <laughs> at, at the end of the day, that losing season killed it for me. And, and Justin's right. He, he really didn't improve enough for me to put him in my top three. He went from 52% to 53% to 55% down to 51% in his career. That's not a significant improvement. And he threw a lot of interceptions. He did. He went. He went. Had a lot eight, of he had. He had eight his freshman year, which he only played part time because he shared time with Ron Kellogg. Uh, then his next year, he had twelve. Then sixteen. Then his, then his senior year, he had eight. But he spent some time hurting his in his senior year too. Yeah, Tyler. So two things. So you, you're going to give him uh, credit. Well, he only had eight interceptions, but. He missed a couple games. I mean, if he wasn't that good, wouldn't that have been a factor? But besides Tommy Armstrong, I'm just going to throw this guy out. And I can't believe I'm shocked, shocked that none of you guys put him on your list. Because I thought for sure this would be the debate, is Jamal Lord. He was Jamal Lord got skipped on all of our lists. Um, and, and I thought for sure I'd argue, and I like Jamal Lord. He was he was right there with Tommy Armstrong. But your guys that love on Zach Taylor, I, I just I don't see where the love is on that guy. For, well, for me, uh, I had him as my number two guy because uh, he was first team all Big 12. Uh, we only have one other quarterback that can make that claim since Eric Crouch, and that's Taylor Martinez. Uh, is, uh, shoot. He, he was also the 2006 He's, Offensive Player of the Year for the Big 12. Yes. There you go. Thank uh, you. Thank you. The, the only I, I almost I did almost put uh, Jamal Lord in there, 
And the biggest reason I almost put him in there is he is the last quarterback to give us less than four losses. Yeah. Uh, he was also the last player to play with probably a complete team around him, which Very is some of these quarterbacks did so it. Sure. Had a lot of good players around him. He was a great recruiter. So I don't know if that's yeah, necessarily that was, a true factor. That was proven big time. I bumped Zach Taylor over Joe Gans because Zach Taylor did take us to a conference championship. True. He he had a very good senior year. Uh, they yeah, only no went nine and five that year, but Derek. The the only reason I put Joe Gans and this is kind of a personal preference, I guess, more than anything. The main reason I put Joe Gans above uh, Zach Taylor was the Kansas State game. Five hundred and ten yards, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. 30 for 40 in passing. It was, it was probably the best game since a national championship game that we've watched, or maybe maybe in 99 when we watched a conference championship game. But since then, that was probably the best game that Husker fans have watched. Yeah. Uh, just to add on to Joe Gans, another thing that set him apart from the other quarterbacks that was on my list anyway uh, I almost had him in front of Zach Taylor just because he was he was a dual threat guy. He could use his yeah. legs and get you some yards. Uh, so he had that aspect out there. I kind of nudged him back a little bit because he didn't have he didn't have the honors. Sure, he had a lot of stats, a lot of passing stats, but he didn't have anything. You know, he, he had a, I think he had a losing season also that in two thousand seven when we replaced Sam Keller. Uh, but you know he went nine and four. Uh, who wants someone wants a Derek? <laughs> okay, okay. As far as as far as 07 went, he played in three games. Yeah, and it, yeah. I mean, I I don't give three him, starts. He had three, three starts. starts. Played he played in six. six games, but he but he played but he only started three games. But he was yeah. one and two in those three games. Uh, I, I don't give him too much credit for the for the five and seven record. I I mean, although that was the uh, Kansas State year. But I think that's kind of why I dropped him down to number two even. I almost put him at number one, but I dropped him down number two basically because we're looking more or less off of one year of stats from him. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Patrick. Uh, to Zach Taylor's credit, um, he was willing to get out of the pocket too and scramble and get the first down. Uh, it's just that Gans was more, like you said, he more comfortable doing so. But they were both tough as hell. And I will always appreciate that about both I, those guys, how workmanlike and how blue collar they both were. Yeah. I, I guess when the thing that I just find funny is that you, you're talking about downgrading Joe Gans a little bit because he didn't play as much and whatnot. And, and then you're saying, well, Tommy Armstrong, well, that, that that's also down. He played too much. And it's not, that he, what, I mean, it's not that he played too much. It's that he didn't improve while he was playing. But I think he did. I, I think that people, if you just look at the stats, I, I disagree. You, but, you but say, that's okay, the whole thing. You well, the completion percentage and everyone there. You want to look at the but, stats and you want to automatically put him up there just because of his stats. But his stats should be up there when you've played 60-something games or whatever many games it was. I, I guess I don't hear that as a downside in the NFL that, man, Peyton Manning's only great because he played so many games. Or Tom Brady's great just because he played so many games. That's an accomplishment to okay. play as a freshman and a sophomore and play his way through. That There aren't many quarterbacks in Husker Nation specifically that can claim that. If any of those quarterbacks had had a 50% passing completion percentage in a year, they wouldn't be considered great quarterbacks. 
Let's get let's uh, let Patrick jump in here real quick. It's not the amount of games, fellas. It's what you do with them. I think that's the key. And Tyler, if I'm not mistaken, you're getting to be more of a Tommy Armstrong fan, aren't you? Well, let, let, let's be clear. I had him third. He barely beat Jamal Lord out, and Zach Taylor was in the mix. But uh, I, I think that the, when you look at the overall body of work, and when we judge this, I say, okay, if I was going to go back and Husker, you know, lore and say I was, I was going to pick quarterbacks and, and, and use the stats as a ball and use the games I saw in the highlight realm. I like what I saw from Jamal, uh, from Tommy Armstrong more than those other two guys. But the guy that I'm just, I'm almost surprised that all of us have as number two is Taylor Martinez because Taylor Martinez is a quarterback that got a lot of grief at Nebraska and, and, and a lot of fans hated the guy in. And I, I think that it's awesome that all the cousins came together and clearly said that he was our number two quarterback. I, I was absolutely 100% surprised that you guys picked. I thought you guys were going to hammer me for picking Taylor Martinez up next. Uh, you know, you're, the only problem with Taylor Martinez, there, were, there was two real big problems with him. His fumbles. Yep. And, and the fact that he didn't have that short-term memory that a quarterback has to have. If he screwed mm-hmm. up in a game, it was over because he was just going to keep screwing up. If, if he had a good game, you weren't stopping him. That's what that's what made him such a great quarterback, though. See, if, if he was having a great game, you couldn't stop him. I like the point you made, Derek. And also, I have to say that Taylor Martinez for me was the Diane Chambers of Nebraska quarterbacks. Half the time, he drove me crazy. My hair loss started because of Taylor Martinez. <laughs> but the, but the thing is, is that for every bad play he made, he was always capable of brilliant blissfulness. And he had some incredible runs. He, he Out of all of them, he was probably the best breakaway, big play quarterback that Nebraska's ever had besides Eric Crouch. And he did it more, and he did it more effortlessly than Eric Crouch. So I want to talk about Taylor Martinez. When he, when, as a freshman, when he played... Uh, he he really took the nation by storm, sure and did. then through the you know by the fifth game, all of a sudden he's kind of getting some dark horse Heisman conversation. That, uh, some of that stuff was going, and you know the second half of his freshman year didn't really didn't pan out. And then we go to his sophomore year, and his sophomore year was a sophomore slump. It was a true sophomore slump, yeah. but he rebounded so much. You know, he went out to the West Coast to work with that quarterback coach. Help me out. What is his name? Steve Calhoun. Is that right? Yeah, yeah the guy from California. I know you're yeah, talking so about. So he yeah. goes out there, and his junior year was something special. His junior year, he just, he just, he was the most exciting quarterback we've had since Eric Crouch. And he was very responsible for winning several games just, just by himself. You know, you want to give Tommy Fraser or Tommy Armstrong credit for that. He played in two uh, ch- conference championship games, and then we all had some high expectations for uh, for year. Taylor Martinez that senior year. He got yep. hurt. Yep. The scoring he got hurt. Was supposed to be the scoring explosion, and he got hurt. Uh, okay, go ahead. I got to put this in. I got to put this in. What did you guys? How did you guys predict or project that senior year if Taylor Martinez was healthy? Healthy as far as physically and mentally, you know. All the game experience he acquired. How do you predict that senior year would have went? Do you think he would have been like a Big Ten title? 
I, I yeah. think Bo Pelini, I think Bo Pelini is still employed. Well, maybe not still employed, but he I, doesn't I, get fired because I think that year turns out a hell of a lot different. And Tommy Armstrong and Ron Kellogg put together a hell of a year in uh, in relief, but that that year had the makings of something special. And and we, you know, Justin, you were talking about sophomore slump. His sophomore slump, as bad as it was, he still led the largest comeback in Husker history, put up 2,900 yards in his sophomore slump, uh, <laughs> which isn't, isn't, which it was a slump. But that's the thing is that's, I mean, you talk about dynamic quarterbacks. I mean, if Martinez stayed healthy, we are not debating is Eric Crouch undoubtedly the number one quarterback over the last 10 year because Taylor Martinez is in that discussion if he stayed healthy. Excellent point, Tyler. Excellent point. Yeah. You know, it all you comes know, down I, to I remember. I remember his junior year very well because I remember talking to you two. Very, mostly, I think Patrick and Justin on this one. This is before the podcast, and you know, I remember him coming in, and his goal was seventy percent completion percentage in the end of the year. And I remember mm-hmm. the three of us laughing our asses off, like mm-hmm. you're never going to get seventy percent. And he went through about four games, and he was about sixty-eight, sixty-nine percent. And we so were like, "Holy shit, he might actually do this." Mm-hmm. And then, when, yeah, you're right. When, when he, his senior year, when he came around, I, 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 Tyler, I think you're right. I think Plenty probably still has a job because I think he pro- we probably win Big Ten title that year. I think out of all the quarterbacks, Taylor Martinez had the most upside, and it was damn near tragic what happened to him that senior year. Damn uh, near yeah. tragic. Don't, don't he went out with a lockers. whimper instead of a bang. Well, the problem was is. You know, he probably played when he shouldn't have been playing. Exactly. Uh, he didn't have a choice. The he was a decoy back there. Yeah. And he, he came in and it, it, it just wasn't right for him, you know. Uh, but, you know, what could have been, you know? <laughs> That's the genius of it. Well, we, so, we have so, a, go, go ahead, Tessa. No, uh, I was going to say. <laughs> All right. You. I was going to say, so did me and Patrick convince you that Tommy Armstrong deserves to be in that top three? Zero. No, not at all. We don't convince him of anything. We're just here. We're just, we just take up space. So, so Patrick, you had Tommy Armstrong as your third best quarterback since Scott Frost. So what made you have him that high on your list? He was a gamer. He went out and every time he was there under center, I knew we had a chance. And for every pick he threw, ladies and gentlemen, that guy always made it up. Whether it be a great pass, whether it be a great run, he was a gamer and he always made it up. And I always appreciated that about him. I call BS on that. How many times did you guys call me all pissed off because Tommy Armstrong overthrew a wide receiver by 15 yards a thousand friggin' times a game? Everyone, one, two, three. We call BS. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, Derek, Derek, you're right. I mean, I think, I don't think you can have this guy rated that high when we were calling for his job at, for most of the part of, of every single year that he was in there. I mean, well, 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 well look, go back and listen to the early episodes. If you go back to that senior season, did we change his nickname to Tommy? Uh, no, no. Tom, Tommy Shotgun. Tommy. Uh, what was it? it Tommy. It, 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 Tommy it, it, Bazooka. After, after about three games, after Tommy about three Pick games, it was Tommy like Twelve that. Gauge, 
And yeah, that's right. Started, Tommy, yeah. After he started throwing a bunch of interceptions, it went back to Tommy Turnover. Tommy Turnover. He, he only threw eight interceptions <laughs> this year. That's right. His oh, senior year, he only threw eight interceptions. I mean, I, again, I think when you look back at Tommy Armstrong, Zach Taylor had this, Joe Gans had this. I mean, to a degree, Taylor Martinez had this, but I me, mean, but I think Taylor Tommy Armstrong was a heart guy. He he accumulated a lot of stats. I you you played a lot of games, and and that put him out there, but. I think that it is hard for me to say the all-time leader in a record that may never be broken at Nebraska, the way he put it out there, 10,000 total yards. I think that that earns a right. Most touchdowns ever. I mean, it isn't just amount of games played. You don't just do that by accumulation. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Adrian Martinez. Boom. (laughs) Well, maybe you'll be right on that one. <laughs> I, I, th- I think that's the biggest factor for me is you have to win the games. And then Armstrong, I don't know that he proved that he was – I mean, he, he, the losing season just kills it for me, I guess. I'm sorry. All right, boys. So I said Tommy 2.0. That's what I wanted. I wanted the comparison with, you know, he who will not be named. God bless him. But Tommy 2.0. Do I tempt fate again and say Martinez 2.0? Do I? Bite I your love tongue. It. <laughs> you jinxed the last guy. Let's not jinx this next guy. <laughs> All right, so let, let, let's recap here. Uh, Patrick, name your top three, and let's see if we swayed you any. My top three after our discussion? Well, your initial top three, and then tell us if we swayed you at all. My conviction has never been stronger. I have Taylor Martinez number two. I have Tommy Armstrong in number three. And you know what? Joe Gans, because I love him when they're fleet of foot, so he stays. Okay. Tyler? Yeah, you guys didn't sway me at all. I, I, I like Zach Taylor. He was a good quarterback. To me, he was Tanner Lee. Um, he, he was a Tanner Lee through less interceptions. Uh, good quarterback, um, just not wowed. Um, I, I, I don't even have Zach. I, I have Jamal Lord over Zach uh, Taylor, so I, I'm not I'm not as high on him. So yeah, my order is still obviously Crouch one, t- uh, Martinez clearly two, uh, Gans, and then Armstrong just barely beating out Jamal Lord. Okay, Derek. I, nobody changed my mind. I, I Armstrong wasn't a great quarterback, and you're not going to put him in my top three. Uh, mine stays at. Martinez, Gans, and Taylor. Okay. And I, I got Martinez, Taylor, Gans. I think it'd be interesting if we pose this question on Twitter and let people vote to see who is like closest <laughs> or who they agreed with most on that. Well, I, I think I think from this we could get to the point and I, I think there there is debate. I think obviously Martinez, but then I think we could post the Twitter poll who is the be- who is the better quarterback, Armstrong, Taylor, Gans. And I, I think that will be Interesting to see. I, I'm not 100% sure that the rest of Husker Nation would agree that Martinez is the next best quarterback. Like, I, 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 I complained about him just as much as anybody else. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you guys. Like, I, But I liked watching the guy play. When I, I've never seen a guy that within like three steps was at top speed. Exactly. I, That's a and, great and point. And he was yeah. just that. I mean, but he screwed up so many times. The fumbles were terrible. And his throwing yeah. motion, God, it'd make you puke. 
Well, and, and Justin cut me off, but I mean, a lot of people talk about his passing as a down thing. And, and yes, the motion was bad and you fumbled, but the guy at the end of the day did not throw that many interceptions for a number of games played. I mean, it was, he almost had a two to one touchdown to interception ratio. And I know, again, Justin cut me off when I was going over the stats, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, the, the guy, the guy was over critical because of the throwing motion. I think people hated it and it was ugly, but it got the job done. Mostly. Well, follow directions in the next segment, Tyler. You'll be all right. Patrick, go ahead. All right. So I, I agree with you as far as I think his consistency should have been better, Derek. But, you know, consistent quarterbacks are great. Zach Lee, I expected him to start that year that Taylor Martinez took over. He reminded me how wonderful it is to have someone capable of an extreme to that extent, to bust it for 80 yards, to bust it for 76 I hadn't felt like that. Every time Martinez had the ball, I was on the edge of my seat because I, you know, filled with anticipation, anxiety, apprehension, a lot of A words. But man, he had his A game. When he had his A game on, it was it was really good. I, I just want to throw this out there real quick, and I don't want to the snowball into a huge conversation here. But as we're looking at these quarterbacks since Eric Crouch, you know, if you kind of put them on different tiers, when you were doing this exercise. Uh, at least for me, you know, I had Taylor Martinez on the next tier below Eric Crouch, and I just knew that he was number one guy. There was no question about it. But when I got down to my number two and three, or you know, the next after that, I thought all the rest of those guys that we mentioned—Zach Taylor, Joe Gans, uh, Jamal Lord, and uh, Tommy Armstrong—they were all on that same tier. I mean, there, there wasn't a lot of separation between my three guy and five guy is what I'm saying. Did you guys find that out or was there a huge separation? Jeez, uh, everyone's hands going up. Uh, t- Tyler, go. I, I will say I had Joe Gans pretty close to Taylor Martinez. I, I could have to, – to me, either, he was on that tier. I think it was Gans and Taylor on that tier. Uh I think what you look at what Joe Gans did his last year, it was a one-year wonder, which is the, the separation because it was only one good year. But I think the way he played out made me go back and say, and I we've heard this from other people, that he if he was a quarterback that his junior year, maybe that junior season goes a little bit different when we have a little bit more success and uh, <laughs> Billy C. doesn't get fired if he would have been the starting quarterback the whole year. Well, thank God. <laughs> thank God he wasn't. <laughs> For for the most part, I think I tend to agree with Tyler there. Like I, I think I would have put uh, Gans a little higher. It was just the 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 one hit wonder type of thing, you know. If he had had more seasons, who knows what the guy would have done? But yeah. it, it's it's hard to put him as one of the best quarterbacks in the last twenty years when he played really for one season. Well, and we had Brian Wilson on a while back, and you know he kind of hinted at. You know, there was a lot of turmoil on that 2017. I mean, there was, it was a lot of turmoil there. It's copacetic, huh? Interesting. Uh, uh, go ahead, Patrick. Well, no, I was going to say that um, I it was clear, there was a clear separation with me for Taylor Martinez just because of his big playability and to bring it around uh, to what Scott Frost might be looking for. What do you guys think? You think he's going to be looking for a field general that's 
more consistent, makes good decisions, or you think he's going to go for a big play, you know, uh, artist like uh, Taylor Martinez? What's he going to look for as far as his ideal quarterback, or at least quarterback for the next uh, season? I'll let Tyler take that one. Well, I, I think the evidence is what he's looked for. I mean, God, he, the guys played with some good quarterbacks. Um, Mariota had, I mean, with coaching for him. I, I mean, I think he's going to look for the the heart. I mean, he's going to look for the complete package. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks he's played with. I mean, they, they, they were really good, talented athletes. But I, I don't know if I ever looked at any of his quarterbacks as a Taylor Martinez type with this great speed and athleticism. But they were playmakers in their own right, and they played with heart, and they played in the system. Um, you know, as we go into spring ball, I think the big question out there is how do guys like Tristan Gibbia and Patrick O'Brien fit in the Scott Frost system? Uh, does Adrian Martinez make waves? We've talked about him tonight. I, I don't think so because I think those guys will find a spot in Scott Frost's system. Good answer. All right, we got to move on, guys. It's uh, we got to get into the baseball update here. Tyler's favorite segment. Uh, Nebraska went to Arizona this past weekend and went three and one in their series. Uh, Derek, tell us more about that. Uh, you know, I try, I'm going to try and keep this as short as I can. I know this isn't one of our favorite topics for some of the people, but there was some big news that came out. Uh, the, the, we went to like Justin said, we went to Arizona, went three and one. That was. Uh, the best start that we've had in, under Erstad in the seven in his, starting in his seventh year. Uh, Nebraska hit two home runs against Washington State on Sunday, and that is way better than last year. Where last year their first home run came out on March seventh. Uh, the only starting pitcher we had that came up with any kind of uh, decision was Nate Fisher, who unfortunately took the loss in a day where our offense or in the game that our Offense was completely non-existent. He gave up two runs and five innings. Our bullpen gave up another six runs. It was just kind of a terrible game of a second game from the doubleheader. I don't know if the players were tired. I don't, I'm not sure what happened. Uh, the, the really bad news that came out this week was uh, Robbie Palkert is now out for the season. He's going in for Tommy John surgery. Uh, that's going to really hurt our bullpen, which was already struggling to begin with. And he was probably the one upside besides Jake Hoensey that we had in our bullpen. Uh, Jake Mickenstein, if, 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 if anybody hasn't read this article on, on Husker Hype, go in and read uh, Stephen Huff's article about uh, Jake Mickenstein's adding, adding the cutter to his repertoire because that was a pretty good article. Great and, that, and that cutter really seemed to help him out this weekend because he pitched a damn good game. Patrick, what are your thoughts on baseball? I know you love baseball. Well, I love the fact that we got our bats going. I kind of agree with uh, Derek that I think the players uh, finally caught up with them a little bit, but Erstad got them back on track. They ended up beating, uh, what was it, um, uh, the Cougars 5-3. Uh, to three. I am concerned about Palkert. I think... I don't. I can sense something happening similar to what happened with the Royals, where they didn't have a bullpen. They pretty much had starting pitching, pitching in a closer, but nothing in the middle. I'm hoping that Erstad can plug that up. But uh, truth be told, uh, there is, you know, an axle did break on the big red machine. So we'll see how Erstad deals with that. Well, they got a big series this weekend with Oregon State and Utah. So uh, let's. They're going to be tested for sure, so that's going to be fun. We'll talk about that next week. All right, it's time for our newest segment. 
So in this segment, we're going to call it The Last Call. And in this segment, each of the cousins will name a topic, and we do a round the horn, and each cousin will comment on it. So this is an experiment. We'll see how it goes. If it sucks, we'll stop doing it. It sounds like fun. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, all right, last call. Tyler, you start. So about two weeks ago, the Cleveland Cavaliers made a huge trade on trading deadline and traded a lot of their roster. They got rid of Isaiah Thomas, Channing Frye, Derek Rose, uh, Crowder, Chaput, uh, D. Wade, and a first-round pick. And they got Clarkson, Nan, and George Hill. And the media loves this trade. And my big take on this thing is I think the Cleveland Cavaliers are a lot worse today than they were before that trade. And I know they've won three straight, but I think I look at this roster now as a team that was probably going to win the East. I think they are not making the NBA championship. They are going to go down. And I think this is a bad, bad trade for the Cleveland Cavaliers. All right. For all hatred of LeBron James, I hope you're right. This uh, screw LeBron. I hope they lose. <laughs> this reminds me too much of the Florida Marlins and their mercenary attempt to win the World Series. It's a mercenary attempt to win the NBA Finals. I hope they choke. Hey, they needed a reset. It's working out so far. We'll see what happens at the end. Go Cavs! All right, Derek. Last call. All right. There were a few Major League Baseball rules changes this year. Uh, there is going to be a limited amount of six mound visits per game, unless the pitcher, the pitcher catcher, that will that those mound visits will still exist, but they can only be visit between uh, batters now. An infielder can come in and clean a spikes during rain games. Uh, a potential injury can get get an extra mound visit, and if they announce a pinch hitter, they can actually have another mound visit. There's, uh, they're trying to shorten the commercial breaks, 20 seconds off of regular season and national TV times. Uh, no pitch clock has been announced just yet, but it sounds like it still could be coming on the way. And there was a proposed rule that would actually make me stop watching baseball. And the, the team that is trailing in the ninth inning would be allowed to pick the three batters that they want to face the pitcher, which is a bogus thing that I've – it's just terrible. Sorry. I, I would quit watching. <laughs> I don't want us to kowtow to an ADD generation. Just learn to pay attention and bear with the beauty of baseball. And as for the rest, <laughs> he I love the rule changes. I, I think that they baseball is a good game, and there's nothing like a good baseball game when it actually matters. But regular season games, there's too many. You need to speed it up to keep interest. And I will tell you, if I'm flipping through the channels and it's the eighth inning and this ninth inning rule goes into effect, I'm going to start and watch. If I could guarantee see Bryce Harper or Chris Bryant up bat in the ninth inning, I want to see that happen. Did you just give props to a Cub? I take that back. Judge is my <laughs> name. Woo! Tyler's becoming a Cubs fan. Boy, Tyler's, Tyler's personality changes are really something tonight. Okay, look, uh, for me, first off, i got to applaud the MLB. They're doing the best they can to speed up the game. The game needs sped up. Uh, they need to shorten the season as well, different topic. As far as, Derek, what you're talking about uh, with that 
the proposed rule kind of in the works and their little talks about the ninth inning and the three batters. Man, I tell you what, that's got to be something that Vince McMahon would do, you know, to spice it up like the XLB or some stuff. That's it's a retarded rule. They don't need that. Uh, all right. Who's next? Patrick. Guess I'm the last guy. Last call. Last call for last guy. Um, Winter Olympics. Uh, U.S. has 16 medals so far. Uh, we are running out of days. Can we salvage this Olympics, or is this a bust? I, 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 mean, I think the Olympics have been fun. Um, I, you know, I, I am patriotic like the rest of y'all, but I have never got too into necessarily only American stories Olympics. I love the Olympics. And being here in Colorado, having that 17-year-old kid from down the road winning a gold medal, that's pretty awesome. Uh, it's been a pretty fun game to watch. I don't care. <laughs> but patrick as far as me salvaging i don't know what that means at this point i mean we're 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 not doing great here you know we uh, well i mean as far as like can the women's hockey team actually get a gold medal beat canada i mean is the talk of the this winter olympics going to be snowboarding and how dominant that was and mind you that is an x game sport so whether that's a actual sport or not is under you know under debate i mean gives reason for concern as far as the future of winter olympics in u.s is concerned women play hockey <laughs> all right last call to me <laughs> i'm gonna bring it back to the nba all-star game here and how awesome was it that uh for one they actually played defense they made it a little bit more entertaining they uh drafted the players so Players went all the way around, and Kevin Durant is there with uh, LeBron James as his number one draft pick. LeBron James shutting down Steph Curry in his face at the end to win it. How awesome was that? Derek? Steph Curry is the best player to play since Michael Jordan. Oh, I'm going to throw up. I, I, you know, Justin, I, I actually watched that game, and I tend to remember it was Kevin Durant who actually shut down uh, Steph Curry. LeBron James pushed him to Durant. It's like, I can't cover you and let you take this, Kevin Durant, so someone can actually stop him. That's how I remember the game wrapping up, and uh, that's exactly what Derek's saying. Steph Curry, probably the best player since Michael Jordan. And we call that the Mandela effect. Patrick. All right, so I'll give LeBron this. I think he deserves the MVP by default, even though I hate his guts for what he did with the All-Star game. It was a miracle. It was well-organized, well-played. He, he almost that, – that game pretty much, like, salvaged the entire memory of that whole thing. You know, if you take away – if you take away uh, uh, the national anthem, if you take away the pregame – the All-Star Game is what everyone's going to remember. But I can't get past the fact that the NBA has made an entertaining All-Star Game. MLB has made an entertaining All-Star Game. NFL, you're up to bat. Brady, before the CTE kicks in, come up with a plan to make the NFL Pro Bowl more entertaining. All right. If you have that idea, let uh, Goodell know because he was really looking for answers. <laughs> anyway, guys, let's get out of here. It's been a fun show tonight. Patrick, thanks for stopping by. It's great as always. It so, was a blast. Uh, be sh- 
Awesome. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Make sure you check out HuskerHype.com for all the latest in Husker news. On behalf of Derek, Tyler, and Patrick, we want to thank everybody for listening. And we'll see you next week. And as always, go Big Red! Yeah.